0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all or situations.
1: Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. All right. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Left reverse. Right. Slow the out. No, kill it. Kill it. Kill the owner.
0: There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Well we're <laughs> Doc now.
2: welcome to the nba front office show i'm your host keith smith we are part of the almighty baller podcast network we are so happy to be back with you sorry for the long hiatus and a break life just gets in the way sometimes and we'll talk a little bit more about that not that you're probably overly interested you probably want to get into the good stuff in the basketball and here to do that with me is familiar face pete toll pete how are you
1: i'm doing great keith thanks again for for having me on
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to have you here. And we're very excited to welcome in our newest member of the show, Khan Errol. Khan is going to be our producer and our other co-host. Con, welcome to the NBA front office show.
3: Happy to be here, Keith. really excited to get started. Uh, I was just listening to your podcast a couple months ago, I feel like, and now I'm on it, so I'm happy to be here.
2: Yeah, man. We're, well, and I'll tell you, Pete and I are excited because you're going to have to do all the hard work <laughs> on the back end, and we very much appreciate that because uh, we're, we're both busy guys, and neither one of us has time for all that, that stuff, so we're, we're psyched you are here. So um, what we're going to do do is you're used to, we're going to go deep into some NBA front office-related topics, especially... This episode and the next episode, we're going to spend a lot of time breaking down rotations and what they've looked like, what surprises we've seen, what we think teams should do differently, and maybe is there a trade in there for a team to be made, something like that. So we're going to get into all that stuff, but before that, we've got a little bit of news to talk about, but before even that, I just want to give a little bit of an explanation because I know I got a hit up a lot on Twitter. Where's the show? What happened to the show? All those good things. So... Basically, what happened was I unfortunately had lightning strike my house and it completely fried my computer and all of my equipment to record shows. As soon as we got that fixed, we had Hurricane Irma blow through and we made it through fine. Thankfully, it could have been a lot worse than it was, but we did have some damage to deal with with that. Then the season started. I started a new full-time job right as the season was kicking off. So just didn't have time until now. But we are back now. Our goal is to be weekly um, here. But as you all know, when there is big news that breaks in the NBA, in the front office world, anything transaction-wise, we will jump in and talk about that. So that's where we're going to start with some transaction news. So we'll go back kind of chronologically over a couple things that happened over the last week and get into it. So the first thing was the New Orleans Pelicans, they waived jobs. Josh Smith, about a week ago or so, Smith was signed with the hardship exemption. I had a lot of questions on the hardship exemption and what that means. And what that is is, no, it doesn't give a team extra cap space. It doesn't give them an exception to sign a player. It's not any of that. It just is the NBA saying, You have so many guys injured, we're going to give you an extra roster spot. So it's different from what Boston has going on with Gordon Hayward. Celtics did not get an extra roster spot. They did get an exception to use to sign somebody or trade for somebody, claim somebody, something like that. With Hayward, I've talked that topic to death on a number of different shows and written about it over at Celtics blog. If you're interested, look it up and find it there. But so the Pelicans, they brought in Josh Smith. Now they're getting a little healthier. And quite frankly, Josh Smith stinks. Is that fair to say, guys?
1: Um, I would say so. I mean, at at this point, you know, he is China bound and
3: that's all he can kind of really, you know,
1: hope for, to be honest.
3: I mean, he was only getting four minutes a game in the three appearances (laughs) he had. And I, I mean, with four minutes, what can you really do? Um, and he, he definitely didn't show enough, I guess, in practice or whatever to warrant more practice time. I wasn't there, obviously, but he just can't really play as well as he could. That one year with the Rockets, I guess, was his um, peak there.
2: Yeah, I think that's his NBA Swan <laughs> song at this point was that Rockets season. And it's, yeah, I mean, he just, he, he, he was awful. You know, when he was out there, he just can't hit jump shots. He can't do, you know, it's just, it's not good. Um, so he's now gone. I, I honestly, I'd be surprised if he gets another run in the NBA. I talked to a few different folks around the league, and that seems to be the general consensus that his NBA days might be over. And, you know, hey, good for him. He still gets $5.3 million a year for the next three years from the Detroit Pistons. So well done um, with that one by him, not so well done by the Detroit Pistons. The other piece of news, this one just happened over the weekend. The New York Knicks had to waive a player because Joe Kim Noah was coming back from his suspension. So the Knicks were given a temporary 16th roster spot or 18th if you count in the two two-way players. So they were given that extra roster spot in order to fill it out so they wouldn't be penalized from Noah having the long suspension. I believe he was out the first 10, 12 games or whatever it was this year. So, so now he is returning from that suspension, and that takes away that roster spot. Well, the Knicks had to waive somebody. Initially, the speculation was Ramon Sessions. They ended up going with Mindaugas Kuzminskis Instead, he ended up getting being the guy who got waived, he, there was some thought that he might get claimed by a team. He, he's a guy forward, can shoot the ball, do some things, but he did go unclaimed. There's already news out there that if he can't land another NBA deal soon, he will head back over to Europe and figure it out. So from there, but very interesting that that was where they went. I'll start with you, Con. Are you surprised that Kuzminskis is the guy the Knicks chose to waive?
3: I was actually really surprised he because he kind of played above expectations last year, and I think he really could have at least been in the rotation as a backup. And honestly, we just talked about the Pelicans waving Josh Smith. I would have liked to see the Pel- seen the Pelicans maybe take a shot at Kuzminskis. I mean, they're short on wings. He he he's shown that he can stretch the floor, and and I, I'm surprised. I would have maybe seen maybe I mean Jared Jacks on an non deal. He starts for them at least last the past couple of games he's been starting for them. So. Uh, maybe that's not the move to cut him, but I, I don't know. I feel like wings that can shoot, um, he he had room to develop. I feel like he could have played a role for them. I would have liked to have seen someone else maybe get, get cut. I mean, not like to see that get cut, but I think they could have made a better decision there.
2: You don't have to be so nice. You can say like this. see. are we're, we're okay with that.
3: <laughs> you you don't want you don't want people losing their jobs. You know. <laughs>
2: no, for real. We we don't root for that. But but we also we we live in a realistic world. So Pete, what about you? You did, Are you surprised with the way the Knicks went there?
1: I'm surprised, but at the same time, I think it gives um, Kuzmiskis a better chance at, at getting more substantial playing time, which I think he deserves. Um, if it was me, I'd look at Chicago because. Um, uh, they have a need on on the wing of somebody that can produce night in, night out. Um, I think that uh, with Quincy Pondexter right now, um, now the starting small forward, I think that kind of shows the, the need um, to get a little bit more athleticism and um, kind of see what Kuzminskis could do. That would be my personal choice.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I haven't really thought about that because I was more in the line of they – I'm thinking with the Bulls. They should only be going for really young guys. Um, Team I kind of thought he might make sense for is Toronto. Toronto doesn't have that stretch um, guy out there. Their challenge is that they could get him now on a minimum deal um, and be okay with the hard – because I believe they're hard-capped. Let me double-check. Yes, they are hard-capped. So claiming him would have really put them tight. But they could probably, probably pick him up and be okay. They would push them over the tax most likely. But but he would make a little bit of sense there. For As for me, yeah, I'm surprised. I, I thought Sessions was going to be the guy. He's just He hasn't played since the very beginning of the year, and he hasn't been very good when he has played. So I'm a little shocked that their reasoning was that Jared Jack has had so many injuries and that Ron Baker wasn't fully healthy yet. But I think you get by just fine with Jack, Baker, and Nilakina. And what are we? Probably another 10, maybe 20 games at most before Nilakina takes over as a starter, anyway, right? We're
3: probably too late, honestly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what should have happened, yes. But yeah. <laughs> boy, boy, what's going to actually happen, that would be my guess, would be somewhere in the 10 to 20 game range. But um, all right. So so that that's enough on two guys that no one really cares about. But that's what we do on the show. We go super deep. Um, and I'm i throwing that out there for my buddy Chuck over at Real GM. He gets a laugh every time I say deep on this show or dive deep or deep dive. He he likes that. I think he, he's created a drinking game, and he probably gets hammered every time he listens to one of these podcasts. But anyway, we are into the final piece of news before we jump into the main part of today's show. Robert Covington. Today, we all knew this was coming but they are in the final stages of knocking in a – four-year, $62 million extension. This is a renegotiation and extension. This is similar to what the Denver Nuggets did a few years back with Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari. It's essentially using the cap space you have now to bump a player's salary up. So Covington rounded off figures. He's going to go from $1.6 million to $16.7 million, and that's a massive jump. Philly is essentially using every bit of cap space that they had left to bump Bump him up. And then what they can do, because of the way these rules work, they can then bump him down in salary by a significant amount. Normally it's only an 8% decline, but what they can then do is knock his salary down by as much as forty percent. So so uh, my, my buddy Coles Wicker, he's already produced the numbers. I have not had a chance yet. So it looks like sixteen point seven and then eighteen and nineteen season, he'll go down to ten million, then he'll bump up to ten point eight, then eleven point six, then twelve point four, and that's that's where you get that total of almost sixty-two million. So really great move by Philly because they're not going to use that cash release for the rest of this year, so really bump his salary up. Then you get out, get him at 10, 10, between ten and $12 million for the next four years. That, to me, that's a complete steal for Covington. Pete, I know you're the Sixers guy. How do you feel about this?
1: I mean, I absolutely love it. If you look at Covington um, across the board, what is he, he's shooting 50% from three this year. Um, he, he, he's fourth in the NBA right now in effective field goal percentage. Um, and then on the defensive end, um, he's sixth in steal percentage, so that's a plus right there. Um, kind of playing between the small forward spot and the power forward spot, you know, with Simmons kind of all over the floor right now. Um, but he's holding his own. And to go from undrafted, um, you know, putting up the numbers he did um, in, in college at Tennessee State, you know, basically what, forty over 40% uh, shooter – you know, that's kind of unheard of. You know, he gets signed by the Rockets, uh, plays a season, plays majority of his games in the um, formerly known as the D League back then, now the G League, um, then gets cut uh, right before the 14 15 season, gets picked up by the Sixers, um, and then just you know, blossoms from there. So kudos to Covington and his development and um, just how far he's uh, come.
2: Yeah, Cal. What do you think about that move for Philly and for Covington?
3: Well, it it was a move that was bound to happen. Uh, for Covington, it's it's great for him because you might look at the like you said it's it's a steal for the next four years. But he was only due to make around one and a half million dollars this year, um, so he's going to get fifteen million more dollars this year. And I mean, it's all guaranteed money for him anyway. So spreading it out for him shouldn't shouldn't be a big deal. And I'm just waiting for Covington to to kind of be known around the less kind of deep, deep into the NBA fan base. Sorry, I, I couldn't speak there. But um, <laughs> just the just the casual fan, anytime you say Covington's really good or Covington is comparable to, to some like up-and-coming star, I've heard Wiggins versus Coving- Covington recently. I don't know how I feel about that, but Covington should be well-known. He's been playing well, and he is just as big a piece to what Philly is trying to do next to Simmons and Bede. Folt and, and Sarich that that that's a really nice squad and Covington fills it out really well.
2: Yeah, no. So, and I'm glad you mentioned that last part, because
3: that's something I want to touch on is this guy
2: is, this is as much a trust the process guy as anybody there because Hinkie's whole thing was about get those high draft picks to get the guys like Embiid and Sarich and Simmons, but it was also to find these, mine these gems that no one else had and find those guys and bring them in and that's what he did with Covington Covington was one of um, one of those hinky special deals which was that four-year minimum contract team option on the last year but also partial and non-guaranteed years and things like that and Covington obviously he made the most of it but you look there's two other guys there TJ McConnell Rashawn Holmes those are other guys that are that caught those similar type contracts that they've made good proven that they're NBA rotation level players we'll talk a little little bit more about them when we get into the Sixers but it is it is really to me it's pretty cool that you had that part of it work out just as good as you had the part of landing the superstars at the top of the draft so Philly's obviously in great shape we're going to talk a lot more about the Sixers as we get into the show
4: this podcast is brought to you by ADT When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go, in the car, or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.
2: We're going to go through it, the rotations. We're going to focus on the NBA Eastern Conference. So we are anywhere from 11 to about 15 games in now for most teams. And that gives you a pretty good sample size of what teams are looking like, what their rotations are starting to stabilize as. So what we're going to do is we're going to start it off with the Atlanta Hawks, and then we're just going to go straight down alphabetically by city. So don't yell at us if your city comes later in the show. Um, if you've already downloaded, you're welcome to skip there. We don't care anymore. You've already downloaded. Um, but in, in, all, in all seriousness, we you know please listen all the way through because I think we're going to have some pretty good insight on all these guys. We were talking a little bit before the show. I personally have watched every single one of these teams have watched at least five full games of every team in the Eastern Conference to this point. So um, not all live, obviously, but some on tape. But so we'll get into it. Let's start with the Hawks. So so a little little rough outline. What we'll do is I'm going to give you kind of what their rotation is looking like today and what it has looked like for most of the year. If there's a guy who's been out for injury but he's due to come back we may still have him listed as the starter so don't jump out all over us if you know we get into a guy and he's like he was out last game well that's last game he's coming back you know within the next short order here and then there's some of these teams where like the when we get to the Brooklyn Nets D'Angelo Russell he just went down and we don't really know what they're going to do fully at that spot um, so we'll we'll but we'll get into them when we get there. So let's start with the Atlanta Hawks starting five. Most recently has been Dwayne Dedman, Luke Babbitt, Torian Prince, Kent Bazemore, and Dennis Schroeder. Deadman, Prince, and Bazemore have started all 14 games that the Hawks played this year. And Schroeder, he started twelve and missed a couple with injury. And then on the flip side, on the bench side of it, Marco Bellinelli, John Collins, Isaiah Taylor, Malcolm Delaney. They have been the consistent four guys. Mike Muscala, who's been out recently the last five games with an ankle injury, but he was really kind of the the fifth guy um, coming in off the bench. Bellinelli and Collins have both played in all 14 games. Taylor and Delaney have both played in 12 games apiece. Con, I know you have some look at us on some substitution pattern stuff, so go ahead and hit us with that.
3: Yeah, so I'll be giving kind of first and fourth quarter substitution patterns for one of the more recent games for each team here. Uh, With the Hawks, I kind of marked down the Hawks versus Wizards game last either Saturday or Sunday. Um, it was, and so again they, they've been starting Schroeder, Bazemore Prince, Babbitt, and Deadman for the past three games actually, so Babbitt's kind of cemented himself there for the past few games here, and um, the first subs they, they made around the five minute mark. Hey
2: Con, let me interrupt you real quick, because yeah. um, I should have said this before the reason Babbitt's starting is Urson um, Ilyasova, who was scheduled to be the starting uh, foreman he's been injured and he's out, so that's why Babbitt is in there, and that's, that's my fault I'll try to do that when we get into the other Teams, um if I come up with an injured player, but but go ahead continue. Yeah,
3: I, I have injured players marked down too here and there, but I forgot to mention that. Anyway, um the first substitutions they made are about the five minute mark, and they bring in John Collins and Bellinelli. And this time they they took out Babbitt and Bazemore. So there we see Deadman kind of still stay at the five spot with Collins playing at the four. But quickly after that, about a minute later, they bring they brought in actually Tyler Kavana. Um, Who's, who's their two-way guy but immediately replaced by Babbitt after that so in the in the end in that around the three minute mark they had a, a back I mean a front court rotation of Prince Babbitt and John Collins and John Collins probably playing or John Collins playing the five man there um, and they also brought in Isaiah Taylor around the four minute mark. And Isaiah Taylor, he's, he's kind of been a surprise for me, but uh, I'll, I'll let you guys talk talk about him more. And that's the first quarter. They brought in Delaney to close out. Uh, so they ended the first quarter with Isaiah Taylor, Bellinelli, Delaney at the, at the two, Bellinelli at the three, um, Babbitt, and John Collins. And then... Jumping over to the fourth quarter and how these rotations kind of work a lot of the time is uh, the first and third quarter kind of mirror each other. And then the second and fourth quarters mirror each other a a good amount of the time. Um, However, obviously, the fourth quarter, the teams like to close and the starters get more minutes. So uh, the second quarter is when the bench players see will likely see most of their time and the fourth quarter, their their minutes cut. Get cut short at the beginning. Um, so, kind of breaking down the fourth quarter here for the Hawks. They start with Schroeder, Delaney, Bellinelli, Baysmore, and Collins. Um, their their bench unit basically besides Schroeder, Isaiah Taylor again came in, gave Schroeder a quick breather, um, and. Schroeder came right back in for Taylor, and then they just went with Prince, Bazemore, Babbitt, and Deadman at the nine-minute mark, kind of wholesale substitution there. Um, and then about three minutes later, they they closed the the game with uh, Isaiah Taylor, Tyler Dorsey, Bazemore, Kavana, and John Collins because the Wizards were just blowing them out. So this one we uh, doesn't give the Hawks kind of closing lineup in a competitive game, but it's nice to see. It's like it's interesting to see um, garbage time minutes too for the for these players. Absolutely. So Pete, in that grouping
2: for the Hawks, the guys that they've been playing most often, is there anybody in there who stands out as you as a major surprise? Either someone who is playing or isn't
1: playing? Um, right now, uh like Khan said, Isaiah Taylor is a big surprise. He's actually played well, very uh steady point guard. Um, looks to um really push the offense, and I think that's something that they need. That pushes um malcolm delaney more to the kind of off guard spot um and and delaney that actually has um diminished his assist rate a little bit um but i think as long as um isaiah taylor continues to to give good production then um you know you could actually see um malcolm delaney and a real fight for that um backup point guard spot um once uh, deandre Bembry is healthy which he's also injured right now um one thing to note um as far as a player that that surprised me is Dwayne Edmond shooting threes 7 for 18 from the three point
2: and every single time he takes one it looks ridiculous like i my it's just my my brain's not ready for it yet
1: yeah it, it's not for me either and considering he was 0 for 1 in the, in his you know four seasons uh, prior i mean that's a big jump there um Babbitt's also shooting the ball pretty well so that's a surprise Um, because I think last year was a little bit of a confidence issue in and out of the lineup um, for the Miami heat. So I'm uh, even though it's because of injury that he's starting, I'm glad to see him, you know, kind of, you know, knocking down shots when he needs to.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so you mentioned Taylor Taylor's obviously the surprise there. I, I think it's, it's not anything the Hawks planned, but I think Collins really now becoming essentially the backup five man has been has been an interesting development. It's it's really only because Muscala is out and then Plumley has been out for the entire year, so it's um. That, that is kind of interesting to me because it's a different kind of look. And I think he's probably, if anything, a little bit better at that spot right now than he would be playing the four, especially having to defend out on the perimeter, especially as a backup going against small. A lot of teams go small at the four, so he'd have to defend outside quite a bit. And then that's allowed lot and Prince to slide up and play a bit of that backup four spot. And I think he's done kind of well there. I'm still not entirely convinced he's not a four. I do not i d I don't I don't I don't know. You know. It's something that I think we're gonna have to have to look into and see, you know, where that kinda goes from there. It the Hawks, give them credit. They even though they've gone through some injuries, they have kept consistent. It's this is the lineup that they're gonna run and they're going to run that out there, and this is the rotation. They have not changed it up very much from game to game. We mentioned the injuries, so Ilyasova's out, Plumley's out. Um, Ilyasova, who knows when he comes back. I would assume when he comes back, he'll probably move right back in to that starting four job. I don't think Babbitt's been quite that good to be there. So the question I'm going to ask you now, so and I'll start with you, Khan, is is there anything that they should do different, and – kind of it's two questions in one anything they should do different and do you think that there's a a trade to be made in there without without looking super specific like they should trade this guy for this guy but is there a player that should be moved whether to free up minutes for somebody else or just to you know get him out of there because he doesn't fit with the team or something like that
3: well it's it's really all about the development of the young players for the hawks i mean um, guys like Torian Prince and John Collins and uh, maybe even giving uh, Nicholas Brusino more of a look just to see if he's a rotation caliber player because they need to really see who, like playing Bellinelli a lot of minutes doesn't do much for them in terms of the direction of their franchise because they're they're rebuilding. So in terms of like trades you said, I mean Bellinelli's $6.6 million expiring deal could be interesting and maybe could even fetch a second rounder here and there and that could open up minutes uh, for a to test out guys like a Brusino or give more minutes to Prince, even though he's been playing, or even Bembry. And then obviously you can go out to the G League and kind of, or anywhere really to to test out more players with another roster spot like that. And you'll also get a pick. So those are the types of things that I think uh, the Hawks and and other rebuilding teams should be looking at.
1: What about you, Pete? I'm going to kind of piggyback first. I have two. So first one piggybacking off of what Khan said with, Bellinelli but I'm going to actually say give a look to Tyler Dorsey even though he's only you know averaging about six minutes a game in six games I still think you know to build confidence in the NBA get a better flow of you know what you can and can't do you have got to throw him out there Um, so I think Tyler Dorsey maybe as the season moves on maybe not right this second should get more uh, minutes um, you know maybe kind of here and there in the rotation Um, and then the other one is I think that ursan iliasova will be the trade candidate for the hawks um, just to be able to get john collins in there as a starting um, power forward which he should be
2: yeah it's interesting i think if deadman really is going to shoot from the outside or if collins starts stretching out his range a little bit you can play the two of them together but if if they're not going to do that that's you can't because you're just be you're going to you you don't have any shooting Get in the lineup, and it's just going to bury you. And I know the Hawks aren't any good there. I think they're killing the Kings tonight, though. We're recording this on Wednesday, November 15th, um, just for a little time stamp on this. But hey, it, it is interesting to, to think about where this goes with Collins from here because I don't know that he's a great fit next to Deadman up front in today's NBA. The other thing, I'm with you guys on Bellinelli. I would maybe look to move him. I would like to see Dorsey get another crack, and the guy I want to see when he's ready to play, and I hope they make sure he gets plenty of minutes, is DeAndre Bembry because I think he's a good player, and I think he just needs time to to be out on the floor on a regular basis, so but that is an awful lot said about a really terrible team, so So let's move on here to the next one. In a non-terrible team, we're going to go to the Boston Celtics. So winners of 13 in a row heading into the big Thursday night clash with the Golden State Warriors and the Celtics. They're they're just rolling right now. and I mean, their defense is the best in the NBA and dominating, and they've generally done it behind a lineup. Most common used lineup is Aaron Baines, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kyrie Irving. There's been a little bit of movement in and out there. Uh, Marcus Morris has started a couple of games. Marcus Smart has had to start a couple times. Daniel Tice started a game. So off the bench, guys, it's Smart, Terry Rozier, Morris, Tice, Ojale, and then Shane Larkin. So just due to different guys being in and out, Brad Stevens has had to play regularly 11 guys in the lineup um, them with Morris back. So someone out of the Ojale, Larkin group, most nights is probably going to sit probably more likely to be Larkin because they've already got smart Rozier and Irving that, that all function as primary ball handlers, but that's it for the Celtics. The, the two guys that have started every single game, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that's you know really interesting. And the, the other two guys who have played every game are Aaron Baines and then Terry Rozier Baines has started 10 of the 15 games he's played, which is if you remember, right. I know P remembers cause we talked about this in the off season. I thought Baines would be the starting five man, and a lot of people thought that was crazy. And it was just for me, Horford's more comfortable at the four, and it's kind of played out that way. I don't – Con, I know you're going to tell us what substitution numbers show um, on this, but for me, it really is that Baines, he's – sometimes he's the starter. But he's out sometimes with a fairly quick hook, but then he, he but he doesn't get that Keith Bogans where he's out after three to five minutes and we never see him again. He does come back in, so he almost is both the starting center and almost the backup center too.
3: Well, yeah, with, with Baines and, and players like that, um, it's really matchup based. So when teams are going with a lot, when I was doing these rotation minutes, a lot of what I saw was not only are teams going just all wings some of the time, but they're the Celtics are a perfect example of this. Actually, teams are going like three guards plus two wings. So, so one of the lineups, for example, that the Celtics put out there against the Raptors um, a few a few days ago, they had Roziers. They had uh, Rozier, Larkin, and Smart out there with Tatum and Tyce, uh, so that that was really interesting because the small ball is getting super small. But in general, so the past three games they've had three different starting lineups. Um, their ideal lineup to me it seems right now: Kyrie, Tatum, or Ta- Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Um, Morris and Horford, but for example, Horford had that concussion, so they started Baines and Morris in the in the front court there, and then Kyrie got hurt, so they had Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Baines starting, and then uh, last game they had their ideal lineup out there, but they they like to bring in Smart first, um, replacing uh, Morris. So they they kind of slide Brown or Tatum to the four spot. It's really interchangeable at that point. Um, then they like to bring in Rozier uh, along with a, a couple of minutes after Smart, and then um, Tice gets in the gets in the mix there, uh, substituting in there. And then Baines, like you said, um, Baines likes to they, they like to bring in Baines mid quarter and like just with the starters or the bench unit. And then. The, they like to close with kind of, again, the the matchup base. The Celtics really do a good job of the wings, bigs, or, or guards, wings, bigs orientation there. So they can go all wings. They go three guards and wings. They can big up with Baines in there and Baines and Tice kind of get some minutes together too that Tice has been Tice has been a surprise too but we'll get to that Um, but yeah that that's kind of how the rotation shakes out it's really matchup based and they can match up with anyone in any kind of play style and they don't miss a beat putting in anyone even if when Abdul Nader for example he gets in the he gets in the the game they don't seem to miss a beat they all know what they're doing and it works and it's shown in their 13 win streak 13 game win streak here
2: no doubt, and it's, you know, I think for these guys, there's not a lot of surprises because of that, because they, they have changed. So what I'm going to ask you guys, and I'll start with you, Pete, is what would they, how would it look different and who goes to the bench if Gordon Hayward was healthy?
1: Well, it would be different because Tatum wouldn't have the development. We would not have seen Tatum as, as much as we have. Um, so he would, obviously, Hayward would slot in for Tatum. Um, I don't think you would see an emergence of the confidence and aggression that Jalen Brown's been able to bring um, on the offensive end of the floor either. Um, and I don't like the—I've heard the term "blessing in disguise" thrown out there. I don't like that, um, so I'm not going to—I'm not going to use that. But I think that I'm actually surprised at the um, radical difference between Jason Tatum in the summer league and what I've seen of his um, season so far, you know, not settling for those mid range jumpers that I was just like cringing at, um, you know, during the summer league. Um, And, you know, just overall to be the, you know, to have a Kyrie Irving led team be first in defense in the NBA, no way in the world I would have ever thought that happened. But I think you have to give, you know, a collective team effort, um, kudos. And then of course, out of this world for Al Horford on both ends of the floor, and then Aaron Baines is basically what is um, really the catalyst behind the Celtics' uh, top defensive rank. If you you know ask me,
2: yeah, no, absolutely. He you know for me he should be in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's been that good on that end of the floor, and you know, Kyrie, give him credit. He is he's he's hustling and he's trying out there now it's it's been 14 games for him 15 games for the team long way to go yet with that but we'll see so con i want to ask you the same question you agree that it would be tatum who would go to the bench if gordon hayward was healthy
3: i think at the start of the year yeah that that would be the case i feel like if you brought in hayward like today for example i Yeah, Morris might be the one moving to the bench because not only is Tatum playing really, really well, but the development of a rookie in a starting lineup on a team like this, I personally think it's it's you don't really see this. A lot of people were talking about how the Celtic, the Josh Jackson didn't want to play for the Celtics because he won't get the time. Well, Tatum. (laughs) slotted right into the starting lineup of the top seed in the East um, due to kind of some unfortunate circumstances. But yeah, in the beginning of the season, Tatum wouldn't have been starting and he would have been off the bench. Now I would like to see Morris hop out. So see, here's where I'm going to disagree with both
2: of you guys, because opening night, Tatum did start. Um, opening night now Morris was out he was still recovering but they did go right off the jump with Tatum so the guy who I think slides out is probably obviously Baines because I do I think that I think where Khan was going is I think it's it's Horford Tatum Brown Hayward Irving and I think that's the lineup that you know Barring who knows what Danny Ainge could do, because that guy'd trade his mom if, if it'd be a good deal for him, um, you know. But it's uh, it would be that's I think the lineup you're going to see open next season for the Celtics or who knows maybe later this year
3: <laughs> is Baines a starter so, when they're all is Baines a starter when they're all healthy though I mean Morris and Horford have been starting so Baines is already kind of on the bench um well
2: Morris it, it's it's you you said it before when you said matchup base that's what they've been doing they started that way against the Nets because the Nets only start the one real big and Mozgov. so they it, it, it would have put a lot on Horford to defend Carroll or or um, uh, Hollis Jefferson. Then we're going to talk about the Nets next, but so that's why they, they put Morris back in there. But the game before that against Toronto, who starts two true bigs, Baines started and Morris did play in that game. So so really, I think it depends if they if the team has two true bigs, then you're going to see Orford and Baines. And when they, they go a little smaller, then I think you'll see Morris um, slide in there and Baines come in. And it's that's one of the cool things is I don't think any of the guys really care. I think it's I think now we're it's that's the spot that's gonna switch. It's gonna be between Morris and Baines, assuming how everyone's healthy. I think the other four guys at this point for the remainder of this season at least are all locked in to where they are. So um you know, we're gonna skip here because when you've won thirteen games in a row, there's really nothing you should do different. Probably. And I don't know that there's a trade to be made, but who knows with the Celtics. So we're going to move on to the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets have played 14 games. Timothy Moskov is the only guy who started all 14 games. If you, if, if I could have given you any odds on that, would you have ever put a bet on that being the way it had gone? no way <laughs> right um you know and it's funny because again that was a guy i was convinced he was going to start for them and people were like you're crazy it's gonna be jared allen and i was like the dude's a rookie doesn't know what he's doing so um the only other two guys who have played in all 14 games are alan crab he is split between the starting lineup and coming off the bench and Karis lavert who is also split between coming off the bench and starting um hollis jefferson and Carroll have each missed a game but they've been consistent starters and then the starter at point guard up until the other day was D'Angelo Russell, but now he's injured and out um, for some time. Spencer Dinwiddie slid in there. Then we're probably going to see some more of Sean Kilpatrick, Isaiah Whitehead. Those guys will will move into the backup roles. The one thing that's always tough with the Nets – Kenny Atkinson plays 10, 12 guys on a – well, 10 guys at a minimum, sometimes up to 12 guys, sometimes all 13 guys. if He's got 13 active players um, all in the same game. So it can be a little hard to know exactly who is consistently in and out of the rotation. Guys will go from playing to not playing the next game and things like that. So, Con, I don't want to get too into the substitution pattern with these guys unless there is something that's really super consistent that you've seen.
3: Well, like you said, Krab uh, and Levert. Uh, kind of split starting minutes for the past three games. The Nets have been starting Crab, um, and Lavert is obviously the first guy off the bench coming around the six minute mark. So they they definitely are are splitting it fairly equally. Dinwiddie plays a lot of the minutes um, in the first and fourth quarters here because, I mean, Russell and Lynn are out, so they don't want to rely on Whitehead too much. Um, but th- this is another team where maybe it's on a separate level than Boston, but they have a lot of wings that they can kind of inter- interchangeably play with. Krav, Levert jefferson hollis jefferson and carroll and ace even plays the the four for them and he's he's kind of athletic um and, and can co- play small ball five too so yeah the, their their rotations are fairly consistent besides the fact that crab and Levert switch switch off
2: yeah and i think as far as um trades go i think the guy who they would probably be most likely to move if they were going to do anything would be trevor booker i think although he's a he's a good player right and we're we're all you know, really happy to see him out there, um, doing the things he does, and you know, and I and I gotta go back because I did miss. Misspeak. Um, Moskov did not start the last game. Booker actually did. So that was a mistake on my part. So they don't have anybody who started every game um, this year. I, I missed that. I missed that Booker had started that last game. So I apologize for that. But to go back to my thought on that, I think Booker's a player that can help a lot of contenders. He's in a very tradable contract, his expiring contract as well. Pete, do you think he's somebody who could be moved?
1: Um, I think easy enough because he's a vet that. Um, could pretty much plug in and help any team um, with what he does. So, um, you know, rebounding, um, can obviously score uh, down low, um, you know, averaging – what is he averaging – 11 points, um, seven rebounds a season. So, you know, I think he can fit in, you know, seamlessly.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. It's um, you know, the Nets are they're they're an interesting team. They play really hard. I think they've got some really nice pieces in place. That I hope Russell can get back soon because he's, you know, he he was showing a lot of different things. I think it, this is uh, I'm like you, Pete. I don't like to use that whole blessing in disguise thing, especially when it's when it's an injury and a really bad one, like what Jeremy Lin went through. But but it was giving Russell that point guard spot all to himself, and you know it's it's again we've seen that with the Lakers, so we still is he a point guard, isn't he? Kind of thing. So I'm hoping he gets back. But you know I like a lot of the pieces. I really they're a fun team to watch. A lot of people have have. Gone at me on Twitter about that because I say that on a regular basis, and they're like, but they're terrible. And I'm like, it doesn't that, yeah, that is true, but those aren't mutually exclusive things. They're, they are really bad, but they are also really fun to watch. So, you know, that's, um, An interesting team. So we'll move on to the next team, the Charlotte Hornets. And I know Khan's got some thoughts on these guys, but to give you the basics here, it's Dwight Howard, Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Jeremy Lamb, and Kemba Walker. With Nick Batum out, he is practicing again, so should be making his debut soon. And I would assume he'll take Lamb's spot. But Howard Williams, Lamb, and Walker have started every game this year. Kid Gilchrist has been in and out. He's had some personal reasons to be in and out of the lineup, but whenever he is there, he has started. And then off the bench, their main guys have been Frank Kaminsky, Cody Zeller, Malik Monk, Dwayne Bacon, and Trevion Graham. Bacon has started when Kid Gilchrist hasn't been there for the most part, and they are those two. The two rookies, Monk and Bacon, have played in all 12 games this year off the bench. Kaminsky's missed one, and then Zeller missed a couple, but that's they're they're a pretty consistent lineup there for the, the Hornets. They've got the the main guys in that group um, on a regular basis. That is the group that they're running with. And Con, you've got some thoughts on them, so let's hear them.
3: Yeah. Well, quick rotation piece. They're a team that likes to play all their all five of their bench guys together towards the end of the first quarter and starting the second and fourth quarters too. So they like MCW, Monk, Bacon, Kaminsky, and Zeller all sharing the court at the same time with no starters, and that's kind of how they kind of operate um however yeah and that's a sorry con
2: that's a good call michael carter williams is back now and he has been a bigger part of the rotation so he's he's essentially as weird as it might sound he's bumped trevion graham from the rotation even though they don't play the same spot instead of monk playing so much backup point guard now he's more playing off the ball with carter williams functioning as kemba walker's backup
1: and then Batum actually made his debut uh, tonight. Oh, did he? Knights. Is he playing? Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't looked yet. So did he start? Yeah, he's starting. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, he started at shooting guard, okay. um, 11 minutes and 8 so points did MK, so MK
3: Did MKG get bumped or did Lamb get bumped? Uh, Lamb got bumped.
1: Yeah, that's...
2: Steve Clifford is one of the more consistent coaches in the league as far as he picks a starting five and runs with it. He does not move away from that very often. So that, that does not surprise me that he went right back to his regular group from the previous couple of years, but go ahead, Con, finish your thought,
3: man. Yeah. So just something I haven't heard about the Hornets too much. And something I thought about just today, actually just thinking about the Hornets at work, because that's what I do. Um, they have a nice young like malik monk and uh dwayne bacon are are nice young pieces and travion graham has shown that that he can play and i think monk has a chance to be a star i was just thinking like the hornets are they really gonna be contenders in the next like is this team going to be winning a championship or even competing for a conference finals or final slot i don't think so personally so with guys like Monk and Bacon in there, why not try to see? Obviously, this is probably not going to happen, but why not try to see what you can get for Kemba? His contract is is like a really good contract. Could definitely fetch um, high high first rounders. Like a Phoenix could definitely use them and maybe give you the Miami pick or something like that, along with a couple one or two of their young pieces, and then see what you could get for Kid, Kid Gilchrist um, and. Maybe like the Nuggets need a defensive wing, right? Try to get Malik Beasley or something like that. Any of these trades could could kind of, kind of be thought of. And then, I mean, Batum is still there. Maybe you could find a spot for him. But you could start at a really nice spot. Like, look at Chicago. Look at Atlanta. Look at these teams that are rebuilding. And even the Nets. Like, the, the Charlotte Hornets, not only would they skyrocket their value of their own pick this year because of these potential moves that they could do. They could get another potential lottery pick plus the young talent that they already have and they would be at a great spot. You could be talking about talent-wise and potential-wise comparing them to Philly and teams that are young and upcoming um, and I don't know. It's just just a thought that I had today, and I could see this team be really exciting with some really nice young talent, especially with the draft upcoming. With how kind of top like the talent in the draft coming this this year, we'll see how they play in college. This season just started, but I don't know. Just a thought. Curious to see what you guys kind of think about that. They they probably won't do it, but but yeah.
2: Oh man, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm gonna let Pete go first. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, to be honest, is, is Malik Monk really going to be able to succeed as a as a starting shooting guard? You kind of have to play him um, as a point guard if you're going to keep Kemba Walker or um, as shooting guard if you have Kimba Walker, but then that runs you into the backcourt is so small. How is that going to work? So I'm kind of with you with um, get what you can now for Kemba Walker before it comes to a point he's frustrated and possibly wants out Then, of course, you have the king of winning out on the team already and Dwight Howard. So, you know, we'll kind of see what happens uh, moving forward. But, I mean, I don't foresee them ever turning into a uh, top three in the East team with what they have, you know, currently. I think, um, you know, Monk is a a very good piece um, to to kind of build towards uh, or build with. Kaminsky's um, a good one. Um, as well and then I like what I've seen from Dwayne Bacon um, as well but then you know you've got to get the right mix of guys in there and then Steve Clifford being a defensive coach um, he's going to want guys that really lock in defensively so the younger players that you get the less likely you're going to have um, defensive you know star potential um, players but you know we'll see what happens
2: I think you're both crazy. <laughs> I don't think you can trade Kemba Walker. Um, you mentioned he's on a great contract $12 million this year, $12 million next year. And I, so this is, I think, where we're going to be different and con this way. I'm glad we have you on the show because I think you're, you come at it from a little bit of a different mindset. I, I tend to think that the, the NBA guys out there that are around your age more are you're more on that trust the process bottom out be terrible and build it up you know wavelength right and and that's not that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that but here's my thing is all these people who are crowning Philadelphia as a champion they haven't won crap yet. So let's not go overboard you know, with that, that it was all a massive success and Philly's a champion and a winner. You know, let, let's let them win more than a handful of regular season games. But my thing is, when you look at the bigger picture for the Hornets, even if you do trade Kemba Walker, no one's taking on Dwight. No one's taking on that Batum contract. No one's going to touch Marvin Williams. Cody Zeller's deal even is a little questionable. Kid Gilchrist, he... You know, he's hurt all the time. He's, you know, he still can't shoot. Thirteen million dollars a year. You know it's tough. So I think Kemp is the guy you're gonna stick around. Now I get what you're saying about Malik Monk, but I don't want to push him too fast anyway because I don't think he's ready to handle more than being a bench guy at this point. So so it's 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 unfortunate, but I think the Hornets are gonna have to ride it out here with what they have. Because I also I don't know that that's a market that can sustain. Uh, let's completely bottom out, and be terrible. Because when they did that before, the team the team had to move.
3: <laughs> like, that's how bad
2: it got. <laughs> so you know, and then the Bobcats came in, and they were I mean they were just bad for a long time because they were just bad. So I just don't know that they can do that, and that, and I also I don't know if Michael Jordan's the owner to do that either. I'm not sure he's the kind of guy who's 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 going to say, you know, let's, let's go. And I think then you run the risk of Steve Clifford probably leaves, leaves because I don't think he's going to want to deal with that kind of, kind of situation. So it is, it's interesting. And I kind of, I get where you guys are coming from on it. I just can't see it happen.
3: Oh no, me neither. Just, just a thought that that I had maybe. They yeah, could no, think for about, sure. But yeah. Yeah. I don't,
1: just to be clear, I don't want it to happen. I'm just thinking of the, what if, you know, two years from now, say, say Malik Monk has a great second season Next season, they start, you know, grooming him to to play more minutes as a starter. How is that going to work with you know Kemba side by side? It could, you know, be great, but you know that was just my thought behind. Well, you know, um, I think you know moving. Yeah,
2: forward. no, I'm with you, and I think
1: next year what you can do then is I think you say,
2: all right, you know what, Kemba Walker is he is um, at this point next year now he's an expiring contract, and that makes him a little bit. It's not that he would be hard to move at 12 million dollars because the guy's an all star. But I think it just then it becomes, all right, if he, if he looks like Monk's our guy and we're going to move forward with him and he could leave as a free agent as at the end of the year, then maybe you look at moving him. I just I don't think you're going to see anything happen this year with the Charlotte Hornets. Right, I agree with that. But what you right. guys are also right. You would get more today for um, Kemba Walker knowing a team's getting him for – basically almost two full seasons versus maybe renting him for only a portion of one. So, so that is interesting, you know, to see where we go. So, um, we're going to move on now to the Chicago Bulls. Um, this is God, what a, tire fire this is what a <laughs> mess um <laughs> it's uh, now surprisingly they've four of their five guys have started every game so robin lopez laurie markinen justin holiday and jerry grant they've all started all 11 games paul zipser has been the your primary starter at small forward, I guess you could call it just because of the boatload of injuries there in Chicago. Denzel Valentine and Cristiano Felicio have played all 11 games off the bench. And then Chris Dunn, since he's come back, he's been a consistent rotation guy. Bobby Porter off his eight-game suspension to start the year. He's been in there for all three games. And then Quincy Pondexter, you know, hey, let's give credit where credit's due. This guy fought his way back and at least is back on an NBA court again I night you know, if he wasn't on such a bad team, I don't know if he would be, but he is uh he is back on there um you know play. and playing so I think that is uh you know something to be recognized. And then they've actually played Kay Felder quite a bit, who they acquired off waivers when the 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 Cavaliers waived him at the end of the preseason. Or I guess it was the Hawks actually. We have done right because he got traded to Atlanta, to the roster clearing move. And then David Nwaba had stepped in at the starting small forward spot. And then because of Chicago and apparently the curse this year, he promptly got hurt and is going to be out for a while. So that's uh, you know this this Bulls team. I you know I wish I hadn't watched as much of them as I have because every game is just a slog and it's awful.
3: But thoughts on the Bulls. Well, I'm I'm from Chicago, so I, I have a few few thoughts here. Uh one thing, yeah, the, the Bulls, I mean, they can't create their own shot for I mean, I, I don't know how they're even succeeding in doing anything. I guess they're not really, but um when Zach Levine come back, that's gonna be a huge boost. Denzel Valentine just can't create the separation against anyone really his uh, his kind of lateral athleticism isn't isn't there and he kind of gets shut down on any sort of switch switching is very effective against this team um, but one thing I wanted to say in terms of obviously Markkanen's been kind of a revelation uh, in terms of what people were expecting out of him and what he's been giving especially his rebounding um, but what I was going to say about the Bulls is yeah they're not very good but I would if I were other teams, I'd be keeping an eye out for these players that are kind of performing a bit more, a bit better than expected. Because the Bulls, they might be, they might not be great at developing the talent, but they are really good at identifying fringe talent. I mean, Nuwaba was a great pickup. I was high on that pickup right when it happened. Justin Holiday two years ago came to the Bulls, kind of earned a contract with the Knicks, or was traded to the Knicks. Sorry for the uh, trade in the trade, but then came back and now he's playing pretty well, averaging. Um, 14 points a game here. uh, Kind of the 3 and D wing. Cristiano Felicio, he was no one, really, a couple of seasons ago, and the Bulls found him out of Brazil. Zipser, a second-round guy. The Bulls can identify talent and bring him in to, to an NBA roster. They just tend to succeed. Spencer Dinwiddie, too. You see what he's doing with the Nets. The Bulls picked him up a couple of seasons ago, and I was like, wow, I, I'm not surprised that Dinwiddie's succeeding so much in the with the Nets this year because he played well for the Bulls. But, yeah, other than that, not much to say here. I mean, Robin Lopez is probably their best player. <laughs> so
2: Yeah, I, I, I think you're... Uh your your what is it c red fandom might be coming through a bit maybe (laughs) because i don't know that i I, no but there are definitely guys like justin holiday for sure he's on one of the best contracts in the league now 4.6 million this year 4.4 next year like that guy can play you know he's a good player cristiano felicio i don't know you know i think that they overpaid him when it didn't make a whole lot of sense to yeah it just was one of those moves where it's like wait why why did you do this he was a restricted free agent and no one else was gonna give him eight million dollars a year. Um, yo, know, I, I my thing is I, I wanna see I don't want him to start making definitive statements on the Bulls until we see them with Zach Levine, as you mentioned, because I wanna see I wanna see him get back healthy. My fear is all we're gonna see the rest of this year is Zach Levine gunning for numbers because he's now missed a lot of time and he's coming back off the injury. He's due for a new contract. So so we'll see what happens with that. There's still a lot of questions if he's even a – is he a good stats, bad team kind of player or not. So it'll be interesting to see where that one goes. But, you know, hey, if, if you're a bad team, just keep – Mind him for those gems like Nawaba. I like that pickup too. You know, I thought he was a good one. Kayfelder, you know, maybe he plays a little bit more of the, you know, countless point guards this team has um on the roster. So, you know, that's a good one. I actually like both of their two way guys. I like Archie diacono quite a bit. I think he's he's a potential TJ McConnell backup point guard type of guy in the NBA. I think Blake a guy who can play a little bit too. So it'll be interesting. They're a team that I think I mean, obviously they're they're bad now and they're not gonna get much better. The guy I'm interested to see if they move in a trade is Robin Lopez, because he's been really pretty good this year and it's it's they there's no reason Almost to hang on good. to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so Pete, I'm gonna kick it to you. What do you think? Do you think Lopez should right he's got this year thirteen point seven million and then fourteen point three next year? Do you do you see this out if you're Chicago or do you just say, you know what, forget it, let's move on?
1: Um, It depends how how much they really value um, Cristiano Felicio because, you know, looking at Lopez and what he does just, you know, from a locker room standpoint as well, you know, being a veteran, um, I know with all the turmoil behind the scenes, you know, with Bobby Portis and Nicola Miritich, um, you know, that probably doesn't mean much to most people um, having a great locker room guy like Lopez. But I think it helps um, in grounding, um, you know, some of the young guys and, and, you know, keeping the morale up, you know, a guy like Markinen who's coming into the league as a rookie, you know, if you're losing a lot, that can really hurt your confidence in the long run. And, and I think he's valuable. I think overall I, I would actually keep him for this season and see what you can do um, in the off season. if it was me. Um, but a guy I'm interested to see what they do, and I think everybody's kind of watching this, is Nikola Mirotic. Like he's kind of pouting, coming back to the team, doesn't really want to talk to, to Bobby Portis.
2: Well, wait, I said, would you want to talk to Bobby Portis if he broke your <laughs> well, face?
1: Well, I was going to get to that. Like, if you get punched in the face and, you know, basically you're out for a number of games, Bobby Portis gets to come back before you do, you kind of look at a distrust of not only Bobby Portis because you got punched in the face, but you also look at the Bulls organization like, well, do you really have my back in this situation or not? So you're kind of questioning all, all angles there. Um, but he cannot be traded until January 15th. So that kind of puts a – you know, question mark around his situation and and what's going to happen. And is a team really going to take on Miritich and his subpar shooting? Because he has games where he gets hot and then he has a lot of games where he fades to the background. So we'll see um, what happens there. But, you know, out out of the guys on the team, you know, I would say Miritich and, um, you know, that's about it as as far as um, trades go. I'd like to see them move Chris Dunn permanently in the starting lineup over jerry and grant but that's just me i like his uh dunn's defensive potential better in the starting lineup
2: yeah that's interesting yeah i want to see dunn start but you know i'm a big chris dunn guy i'm a big believer in him i think he's a better player than jerry and grant is and i I may be wrong on that but i think it's it's, he's gonna be like thomas robinson i'm gonna be on that one until (laughs) until everybody else is gone um so you you know he's uh but I just, you know, I have a big belief in, in Chris Dunn that he can play. Um, Con, th- this is your team, right? These are the guys you grew up following. Is, do you, What do you think? Lopez should finish the year out here? Or is it time to, to move on and get what you can for him and – 10 in the next direction.
3: If you just look at the roster and where where they're going, yeah, you probably should trade Lopez, but if you if I mean, if you follow the team and what's going on, Lopez is one of the only level-headed guys in the locker room and he's really keeping He's not, like, he's the one not picking sides in the port is to debate. He's kind of, like, everyone kind of has their own fault, And just like when they traded away Taj last year, Taj was the guy that everyone went to to kind of calm everyone down when the, the whole Rondo versus Wade and Butler thing was happening. And with Lopez, if you get rid of him, then it just all young guys. The oldest guy is like Pondexter, who just came back and hasn't even played for two years. And then you got like Justin Holiday, who's 28 years old. I mean, I feel like you need a veteran presence, and a guy like Lopez who's level-headed is really key in working rebuilds like this. Um, and when everyone's just really young, it's, it's tough, especially with a guy like Fred Hoiberg, who doesn't seem to have too much control over the locker room so far but that might have been because of butler's kind of hard-headedness too we don't know that but yeah i don't know i wouldn't do it just in terms of the locker room dynamic um but roster wise cap wise yeah I, I probably would get some assets for him
2: yeah p you know this. what i always say he's the grown-up in the room <laughs> right um <Yep. laughs> it's it's and you need that you know when you are a really young team i and didn't yeah, and there's not another guy who's yeah. You're. I mean, Pondexter. I mean, it's it's a cool story, and I'm really happy that he made it back. But nobody else there is going to assume that role. So so there is something to be said for that, and it's it's absolutely right. And you know, and I and I was being a little bit of a jerk when I was saying would you would you talk to Bobby Portis? But I mean, the reality is he didn't just punch him in the face. I mean, he broke his face. You know, I mean, right. you, you literally. You know, it's people say that the. one of the things that I had heard from a physician friend of mine and then read later and more reporting came out was these were like injuries that are generally seen in a car crash Uh, you know which is you know that's scary so reports,
3: you know I I just all reports are Miritich was kind of Miritich was kind of like going at him in terms of like approaching him like aggressively kind of they were kind of going at each other so my guess total guess is Miritich was approaching him and the momentum of him going at Portis and Portis punching him maybe created more of an impact
2: yeah i think this is just one and from a couple i mean it's tough to get much out of chicago they're a pretty closed-lipped group but it's everything is it just you know it's two guys who are fighting in practice for position and battling for a while a little bit of pushing each other and that just went a little too far you know, so hopefully they'll be able to put it behind them. I was I was a little surprised that, that the Bulls picked up his um, fourth-year player option. Not nearly surprised that I was that they picked up Cameron Payne's, which was just stupid and a complete waste of $3.2 million for next year. But, you know, that's a that's a whole other story um, in that one. So so what we're going to actually do here, folks, because we, we have gone long. We're already at the hour-long mark. Um, we are going to cut this one off here, and then we will come back to you with the rest of the. Eastern conference in the next show. Um, we'll go through Cleveland through Washington alphabetically and get into and we'll update all of our numbers and everything for when we record next with whatever comes up. Um, we're really excited again to be back i know you know pete and i have been trying to figure out a way to come back and we've just got a lot going on so con we're super happy you're here man to handle the production side you know, and to lend your knowledge and uh you know maybe maybe balance out the grumpy old man takes that pete and i have to have, have sometimes <laughs> yeah. you know so we're uh we're happy to have you here for that man so you know, super excited that you're on the show um we, again, this is the NBA Front Off Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Go ahead and check out, we have a you know, no shortage of shows. There's a show for just about every team out there. If you want a bunch of general NBA shows out there as well, guys are putting out great content every single day across the entire network, which is really, really cool. Um, something, you know, that I know I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of, you know, a special shout out to Chris Axman for hanging in there and being patient with us as we worked through everything to get the show relaunched. He's been a really good partner for, for us and for the show and helping guide us and, shepherd us through this and helping us there so you know special shout out to Chris and everybody over there at Almighty Ballin. and and like I said we will be back next show we're going to be back consistently now we'll be in your ears at least once a week if not more often depending on what else is going on in the league when we come back next we will finish out the rest of the Eastern Conference Cleveland through Washington again this has been the NBA front office show I'm your host Keith Smith we are part of the Almighty Baller podcast network and we will talk See you next
0: time. And now an ad from Dad: Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah, I'll tell you another way to save money: Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning. You know, and then you can save up for a, uh, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
2: All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet. My
0: feet are wet.
2: Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Uh, it's on the f- dock.
0: There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, f- Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at progressive.com Progressive Casualty Insurance
1: Company and Affiliates.